Welcome to the Calvary Cast, a podcast from Calvary Bible Church in Grand Junction, Colorado. At Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the good of His people, and the Great Commission. Well, hello, 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 listeners of the Calvary Cast. We are back. Episode number 40 today. This seems like a monumental thing. Wow, that is. That's quite a few episodes. (laughs) Considering we've been going for a year and a half and we have 40 episodes, anybody that's like really serious about this, they have like 100 episodes by now. Yeah. Well, this is only one thing we do. That's and true. And we haven't been doing this over the summers, right? We right. take time off. Yep. We have seasons. We have seasons. Like on your favorite shows. They mm-hmm. only run from certain seasons and you get the... That's right. What season are we in? Three, right? Yeah, we don't really break it up that way, but it's oh. mentally we call it season three in our head. Hey, Some a lot that. of a lot of shows don't even make it to season three. True, yeah. or a lot of shows shouldn't make it to season <laughs> three, and they do. <laughs> I mean, that's what people are thinking with this one. I can't believe they're in season three. They should have stopped at season one. All right, right. Well, after we've the pilot it, episode, should have probably shut it down. We've made it to season three. We've yeah, our pilot episode. Uh, All that little bit of cringe. <laughs> um, so we apologize if anybody goes back and listens to that first couple Those episodes. Cringy. Those were bad. Maybe we cringy should times. do uh, like 40 seconds of silence today in honor of our 40th episode and in memory of anyone who has suffered through 40 episodes of us. <laughs> okay. That's a long time, but I'm I'm down for that. Let's make it an allegorical 40 seconds okay. of awkwardness. That sounds good. That's long enough. There we go. All right. Well, we are uh, doing another, what we're calling a tough or tricky text today. Uh, And this is not because this is actually like, I don't know if I would call this a tough or tricky text. I think the whole concept around what we're going to talk about may be uh, difficult for people to grasp sometimes, all the pictures and all those things. Because we're going to talk about Leviticus 16 and the Day of Atonement, and we're doing this partially because today that we're recording this is actually the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, for the Jews. Now, as Christians, we don't celebrate this, uh, but we uh, have a better thing in what Christ has done. So what we kind of want to do is just talk about some of the things we see in the book of Leviticus, specifically the Day of Atonement, and then we're going to jump to the New Testament interpretation of that in the book of Hebrews. Sound like a plan? That sounds like a plan. All right. Well, let's start with um, Leviticus. Leviticus is a confusing book to a lot of Christians, I think, uh, because they don't know what to do with all the various laws. Uh, They don't understand um, some of the regulations that are given there. And so it can be kind of uh, drudgery for Christians to read. But Leviticus 16, I think, is really the high point of the book. And Leviticus 16 is dealing with the offerings for the atonement of the nation for the sins of the nation of Israel. So it's called the day of atonement and all throughout the old Testament, especially we read of offerings or sacrifices being given. And I think sometimes people, even with that don't quite understand why we see offerings and sacrifices. Um, But ultimately they were given from God to man as a way that man could be made right to a holy and righteous God. Because we understand uh, ever since man has fallen into sin, right? God's wrath is against sin. And so God gives sacrifices so that man can be made acceptable, even though he's still guilty of sin. Would that be any thoughts or add to that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, some people say, I've heard it said with atonement, one way to think about it is 
Uh, we break that word up at one mint, mm. right? So it's the idea that we've been separated from God because of sin. In addition to that, sin incurs a penalty. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and, and this is really specifically referring to Yom, uh, Yom Kippur and uh, the Day of Atonement, but that to, to be at one with God and have reconciliation requires a sacrifice, and it requires death, and it requires the shedding of blood. Uh, there needs to be forgiveness of sins and that restored relationship, reconciled relationship with God. And that's what this picture is, yeah. right? And I think, too, one thing to consider when you're thinking about just the Old Testament sacrifices, because often we think of just like, that's just law, there's no grace there. God is gracious to the people of Israel that he gives a means whereby their guilt can be covered, their right. sin can be atoned for. Right. So as you're reading the Old Testament, as you're reading the book of Leviticus, God's grace permeates the pages of that. Yeah, and even as, as you think about the big, the thing that we'll talk about with the Day of Atonement is the Aaron, uh, the high priest, mm-hmm. is given directions to uh, take an animal and sacrifice it, do things with the blood and that kind of thing. And, um, but God doesn't require he sacrifice himself yeah. or his son. Right. Uh, and uh, in and of that is mercy and grace. Mm. And uh, and then we see the love of God, of course, in sending his son, who is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yeah. So the book of Leviticus lays out a number of different uh, offerings and sacrifices that would be made for different things. And the Day of Atonement was uh, uh, one day out of the year where, again, the whole nation of Israel, their sins were were atoned, atoned for. Leviticus, as I've studied and done some reading, pictures sin as something that contaminates and pollutes everything, right? It corrupts us down to the core, and really the whole Bible talks about that. And so atonement is the means by which God cleanses and purifies that which has been contaminated. So sinners were contaminated, polluted by sin, and atonement cleanses us from that. And he does that by the means of pouring out his wrath on the sacrifice, not on the people. So in the Day of Atonement, the blood that shed in these sacrifices was like a sponge that would absorb the sins of God's people. And then the sins would be transferred to an animal, and that animal would, in a sense, become diseased now with the sins of the people. And then that blood is going to be spread around various parts of the tabernacle to, to be a cleansing from the sins. And then finally, it's going to be offered as a burnt offering where the whole animal is consumed on the altar. Um, Now, in the Levitical law, the offerings for sacrifices, what would happen is that a person who had sinned or who wanted to to bring a thank offering or things like that would bring the animal to to the gate of the tabernacle, and there they would symbolically place their hand on the on the animal, thereby it's picturing the transferring of their sin onto that animal and then the priest would take and he would offer that animal part of it would be burnt on the altar sometimes part of it would be eaten blood would be sprinkled in various places and again what it's doing is it's picturing the the transferring of the sin onto the animal the animal dying in the place of the sinner and the sinner is then cleansed their their sin is is covered and you can go read like leviticus chapter one verses three and four uh, it gives the instruction, it says, If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting, that he may be accepted before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accept- accepted for him to make atonement 
for him. So through this act again, the animal is now seen to be bearing the sins of the worshiper. Now, the Day of Atonement, the sacrifices, the, the procedure is a little bit different. Um, and we're not going to read all of Leviticus 16. I would encourage you to go read it on your own. But we'll just try and kind of summarize what's going on during this day. Now, on the Day of Atonement, this is the only day of the year that the high priest could go into the most holy place. So if you, un- I think most people are probably familiar with the diagram of the tabernacle divided into two. You have a tent or a wall that goes around a tent, basically. And in that tent, there's two rooms, the holy place and the most holy place. And in the most holy place was the Ark of the Covenant, and that is where God's presence, his glory, would descend and dwell there. And no man could enter into that place uh, without following the prescriptions the Lord gave, or he would die. Go to Leviticus 10, and you can read about that. Um, but this was the one day of the year where the high priest could could go into that tent. And then on this day, there were, there were four animals that were sacrificed. There's a bull for a sin offering. There was a ram for a burnt offering, which was a, a an offering of thanksgiving and praise to God. And there are two goats that are sacrificed. And then on this day, too, there were specific clothes that the priest was to wear. He was to uh, not wear his normal priestly garments, which were actually much more uh, flamboyant. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right word. Much more decorative. Uh, he was actually supposed to wear normal clothes that would identify him more with the people, right? Um and he would have to go through a ritual of cleansing himself so that he could, uh, again, make first atonement for himself and then for, for the people. So what the priest would do is he would first, before he atones for the sins of the people, he would have to atone for himself. Uh, he could not mediate between God and sinful man if he's not dealt first with his own sin. Uh, chapter 16, verse 6 says, Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. So he needs to deal with his own sin first. And then after he's done that, he takes these two goats, and they would cast lots over the goats. And one would be, a lot would fall on it, and that goat would be offered as a sin offering. So it's going to be burnt on the altar, uh, consumed by the Lord in fire. And then the other one, a lot would fall on it, and this would become uh, what they would say is it falls for Azazel. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Do you know is that the right way to pronounce that? It sounds right to me. Azazel. Just say those words with confidence. If I say it with confidence, that's right. That is a secret if you're reading these weird things. Uh, Azazel, or we know the term scapegoat, right? So the the lot would fall on this second goat for scape, or we would think of the term scapegoat, and we'll get to why uh, this, this second goat is not offered as a burnt offering. So then what the priest would, again, he's, he's sacrificing the bull uh, for a sin offering for he and his house. And what he does after he sacrifices that bull, he takes the blood from it and he goes into the tabernacle, into the holy place, and he, he, he sprinkles that blood around various places. So he sprinkles it at the, the base of the Ark of the Covenant. He sprinkles it around... Um, all different places within the tabernacle. And what he's doing is that he is um, cleansing, in essence, the sin that has polluted the tabernacle from the people's various sins and the sacrifices that have been made. He's cleansing that place uh, from their from their sins. And so after the priest has done this for himself, he's gone in and made atonement for himself through the sprinkling of this blood, he takes that second goat and he kills it, 
and he he takes the blood from that goat and he goes and does the same thing and sprinkles the blood of the goat on the mercy seat in front of the ark uh, just as he's done for himself and and again through this act he is he is cleansing the entire tabernacle from sin because again we picture sin as a pervasive corrupting force that contaminates everything and so God's people must be cleansed and the place where God is worshiped must be must be cleansed and purged and then the priest would go out into the uh, the tabernacle or into the courtyard of the tabernacle and he sprinkles more blood again around the altar and consecrating the altar because it too has become polluted by the people's sins and then the other thing to to note about this sacrifice remember I mentioned at the beginning that on in a regular sacrifice uh, the person would would the, the worshiper would bring the sacrifice they'd place their hand on the goat or the bull or whatever it was, thereby picturing that transfer of sin onto that animal. But on the Day of Atonement, that doesn't happen. Um, the animals that are sacrificed, the blood that is spilt, has not been polluted, so to speak, with the sin of the people. And that's because that happens in the next step. That final goat, the live goat, the one that the lot fell on for Azazel, uh, that the sins of the people is now transferred onto that goat. And that goat, instead of being slain, is sent out in the wilderness to bear the sins of the people. And it will die out there alone. Um, and, and in that final picture, what has happened now is that total atonement has been achieved. Has been, has been achieved. Uh, the sins of the people have been, uh, been covered in the blood being sprinkled and they're being cleansed. And now their sins have been transferred onto this goat that is sent out of the camp to wander in the wilderness and to die out there. And so now the people, after all this is, have, have, have been, has been done, they can rejoice that their sins have been covered. Total atonement has been achieved. Forgiveness has been uh, achieved. And they offer in response to this the ram as a, as a thanks offering to the Lord for the forgiveness that he provides. So that's kind of what happens in Leviticus 16 in the Day of Atonement. Does that make sense, Jess? It does make sense, yeah. That's what happened. That's what, <laughs> that's what they would do, so that's it makes what, perfect sense. That's what they would do. Now, it's important for Christians to understand this because why? Because it was all pointing to Jesus and God's provision of atonement through him in the cross. And um, as you were even explaining the details of what happened there, I was looking at and thinking of Hebrews 10. And in verse 1, he says, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. In other words, everything you just explained, what, what we would read about in Leviticus 16, and these other sacrifices as well that we see in there, they were a shadow of the good things to come in Christ. So when we read those now, when you read Leviticus, you're thinking, okay, what is God doing through these sacrifices? He is pointing us to the need of sacrifice, the need of forgiveness, the need of atonement, the need of reconciliation. And these are all the shadow of what's going to come. They, they were done by faith. The people had faith that these were effective. Um, and, and this is what God wanted them to do under the law. But uh, we understand that it was all pointing to something that was to come and what he was going to do in Christ. He says um, in verse 2, Otherwise, um, 
would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers having once been cleansed would no longer have any consciousness of sin? But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. Uh, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So ultimately, um, it's uh, God looking towards what he will do in Christ can provide that forgiveness, but it was impossible for those to provide it. Yeah. It needed to be the perfect sacrifice of Christ. Right, Right, and that's why they did it every year. And even now, Jews to this day still observe this because they don't see that Christ has come and that that he is now this perfect sacrifice. Yeah, and to us as Christians, I realize like when God has saved us, he's given us the eyes to see this. And we read this and we're like, how can you not see this? You know, how clear it is. But, you know, Paul talks about that in Corinthians, uh, uh, 2 Corinthians particularly. He talks about the Jews having that that blindness, that veil over their eyes, and they cannot see it. So they will. You're right. They're observing it today. I just read our, our president put out a um, oh a statement about a statement thing. about uh, you know Yom Kippur and just um, I don't know what you do. You wish do you wish people a happy Yom Kippur? <laughs> what you do? But at any rate, it's like um, uh, it, it is. It's a reminder of sins, and uh, it knowing what we know, it's impossible for the uh, the blood of bulls and goats to take it away, and they can't do it anyway. Yeah. So they can't even do what was prescribed for them. Right. And uh, and yet there remains over their eyes to this day this veil. They cannot see um, the glory of the God glory in of Jesus Christ. Christ. Yeah, they just can't yeah. see it. They can't see what we see yeah. in there. So like Hebrews chapter 9 really explains how Christ fulfills all this stuff that we see in Leviticus 16. So like maybe we should just read like say the first 10 verses. Okay. Um, so Leviticus 9, I'm going to start in verse 1. It says, Now even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness. For a tent was prepared, the first section in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence. It is called the holy place. And behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy place, having the golden altar of incense and the ark of the covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a golden urn holding the manna and Aaron's staff that budded and the tablets of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of the glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. So what he's describing there is what all Jews would have been familiar with, the tabernacle that accompanied Israel through all of their years of wandering in the wilderness. And this was the place where they worshipped the Lord in the, the, the manner he had, had prescribed. And then he goes on in verse 6 and he says, These preparations having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section performing their ritual duties. So that would be the holy place. They would go in there regularly when the people brought sacrifices. But into the second, only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, and not without taking blood which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. So there he's talking about the Day of Atonement, what we just read about in uh, in uh, Levit- Leviticus 16. And then he says in verse 8, By this... The Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet open as long as the first section is still standing, which is symbolic for the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of Reformation. 
gets to the point, right, in verse right. 11. Right. He says, But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent. And you mentioned the p- fact that uh, they even had to uh, sprinkle blood on the the The, the, uh, all, the ark? Yeah, and, and it was a cleansing of the actual tent in the area because yes. of the pollution of the people of sins. So, not made with hands that is not of this creation. He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Well, and what he's what he's picturing there, because he says, so now Christ has appeared as a high priest. So Aaron and the sons of Aaron were the high priests, that they were the ones that would enter in on behalf of the people of Israel to make atonement, first for themselves and then for the people. But now Christ is the high priest, is what he's saying, and he's entered into a more perfect tent. And later on, down in chapter 9, he talks about how the, the tabernacle was just a copy of the heavenly realities. So what the writer of Hebrews is saying is that in heaven there's a more perfect tent, which the tabernacle that was entered into on the day of atonement was just a picture of and now Jesus has entered into the actual thing as a high priest bringing blood but not the blood of goats and calves but his own blood and with that he has secured an eternal redemption contrasted with the yearly redemption that had to take place in the day of atonement and then he, verse 13 He says, for if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh. What he's saying is, again, what happened on the Day of Atonement worked. There was forgiveness that was achieved for those who who in faith obeyed God. But how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Yeah. So we see how it all pointed to Jesus. Yeah. And what God was going to do through him for us. And we see in that too, right? How much better the sacrifice of Christ. Yeah. How much better not having to be offered again and again. He's entered into the real place with perfect spotless blood. He being the perfect spotless sacrificial uh, lamb and the perfect priest who doesn't have to atone for his own sins. Yeah. He's a, it's, that's why it sounds wrong to say, but it's right to say, because the Bible says it, is that this is a better covenant. It is. The new covenant's a better covenant. Yeah. And this is another reason, like, too, with, um, if we were to compare what some other branches of Christianity do. So you take Roman Catholicism, and each week as they offer, the, as they do the Mass, mm-hmm. it is a, a, ultimately a re-sacrifice of Christ. Right. Uh, but we don't need that. We don't need that. He did it once for all for us. Well, and that's what we read in in chapter ten, talking about that, right? You know that that if Christ's blood had not been perfect, if his, then we'd have to continue to do this every week. We'd have to continue to sacrifice Christ every week, right? But then he'd be no better than the goats and bulls and calves that were yeah. offered before. So I think all of this. I guess my hope, as we've talked about this, is that Christians understand more one the Old Testament and understand the beautiful pictures that are there, and how all of this is pointing forward to Christ. And you see, even in the Old Testament, God's grace, right? And he has provided sacrifices. He provided atonement for the people. And then you can go with such thankfulness. The sacrifice of Christ, the forgiveness I have, is full and complete. Hmm. I don't need to continue to do these things 
uh, year upon year, the Day of Atonement, but I can rest in the fullness and completeness of the sacrifice of Christ. We've got a guest in the studio audience. Hi, Hi. Nora. How are you? <laughs> For all of those who are listening, my daughter just walked into our <laughs> our studio, my office, and she she is... Uh, Nora, do you want to say hello? <laughs> no, not happy. Well, on that note... On that note. <laughs> we might as well end there. If you... Uh, we, we thank you for listening. If you ever have questions or anything like that, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at thecalvarycast at gmail.com. Uh, if you're part of our church, just come up and talk to us. Give us a phone call or a text as well. Uh, at Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the good of his people, and the Great Commission. Until next time.